Hello and welcome to the Flaming Grenade Serial Podcast, where you can listen to the story of the Flaming Grenade in commute-sized podcasts. If you ever need to catch up, want to read along, or you just can't wait until the next episode, the full ebook is available on Amazon. Please consider supporting the author by purchasing the ebook. This reading is done by the author without mixing or multiple takes. Think of it as audiobook meets story time. And now, the next episode of The Flaming Grenade. Chapter 21, Half Moon Bay, California. I think it's time we do some research, I said to Zyra. You never answer my question. I don't know the answer yet. Come on, let's, let's go. We walked back to my office. I sat down at the desk and logged into my desktop computer. I must admit, it was a nice box. I was given unlimited funds to build the computer I needed, and I took big-time advantage of that. I could run the freaking Pentagon on this thing. I was running triple 24-inch high-def LCD screens on top of some sick components. I had a brand new 42-inch 3D LED TV up on the wall in front of the desk where I could view 3D renderings of DNA strands and neural pathways or crazy 3D movies. I booted up my email on one screen, opened a search engine in the another, and got ready to view scans of the badges on the last. Can I see the badges, please, dear? Oh, um, my laptop is on the shelf there. You can use that. I set the badges down and turned my chair around to the 3D scanner, carefully clipped the first badge into the silicone clips, and placed the holder inside of the scanner. I pushed the green scan button and turned to watch the image appear on the screen. I smiled. I love this thing. It turned real-life objects into perfectly scanned digital images. I opened some software and clicked through the menus until the image was being rendered in true 3D for display on the 3D screen. This was going a step beyond, but I had the toys, so why not use them? It was like a hologram, but in high definition and up on the wall. Okay, I'm connected, Zyra reported. What am I searching for? Well, we need to know about the 13 number Carabinieri badges. How's your Italian? Uh, actually, good, sir. I've been boning up to prepare for our honeymoon. I could hear her fingernails tapping on the keys. <clears throat> the first badge finished rendering. I took it out of the scanner and wrapped it carefully before inserting the second. I put the 3D image up on the LED screen and pulled some 3D glasses out of my desk drawer. Sarah looked up and rolled her eyes. So yeah, she rolled her eyes, but you know what she did next? She held out her hands for a pair of glasses. Uh-huh. Dog my toys until you want to use them. The image was amazing. I couldn't believe the detail. I rotated it slowly, 360 degrees. The image was really cool by itself. The mystery behind it seemed even more intriguing when viewed large and in 3D. Zyra went back to typing, and I started searching for the Carabinieri in their fighting in Italy during World War II. There had to be some good information on their battles. Maybe some veteran organization or military history sites would help. I started specific to the Naples area and the fighting after the Americans landed on the mainland. There was some sparse information here and there, but nothing good. What else? Hey Z, your grandpa was up around Naples and stuff, right? Uh, Yes, why? Did he say anything else you remember about your grandma's brother? Not really. I remember my grandma mentioned something like her brother was so close and had traveled so far to get her. He died on the way to the American hospital and grandma never saw him. Far? Hmm. I decided to broaden my search. I felt like a bit of an idiot, to be honest. I wish I would have paid more attention in history or at least read some intelligent books. I remember there was some fighting in Sicily and decided to search there as well. I just about exhausted my knowledge in the search engine's results when I came across a scanned newspaper article from some small town in Sicily. 
I called to Zara for help translating. I put the image up on the big screen as she worked her way through it. I don't know all of these words. I think they are in some Sicilian dialect or something. But from what I can gather, it talks about a patrol or unit of Carabinieri officers. Okay, and they were all killed, or they were all reported killed, but not all the bodies were found. And they were up in the mountains. No, they were on a mountain, Mount Etnea or something. Mount Etna? I saw it in the news when it was erupting and spouting hot magma. Yeah, but it doesn't say why or how or anything, just that they were massacred. Well, I'm starting to think our honeymoon is going to include a side trip to Sicily. That sounds that way. Did you notice that? No hesitation. I suggested a change to honeymoon plans, and she jumped right on board. I am a lucky dude. And maybe it needs to be before the wedding? <clears throat> I can't let this sit for a week. Uh, but our plans are friends. <clears throat> she stopped herself short. We had like ten close friends coming to the wedding, and most of them were local. I'm sure they wouldn't mind a change in plans. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We have a bit more research to do first. She brought us back to reality. Do you remember that guy who helped me pass world history, Robert? Robert had been my lifesaver. I paid him to be my tutor because I was not going to pass and I needed the credits to graduate. Robert was a history genius, and his expertise was on Europe in World War II. If anyone knew what all this would mean, Robert would. Or at least he would know where to look. Do you still have his number? Sarah asked. I opened up my email and started scanning through hundreds of emails. I couldn't remember his last name, and a search for Robert only narrowed the search so much. I scanned back to the time period I was taking the class, and there it was. Robert had sent me email replies from his phone, and the phone number was listed right there in the header information. I dialed the number, forgetting that it was getting a bit late. I didn't even know where he was living now. If he was out on the East Coast, it was in the middle of the night there. Oh well. I figured once he found out about the mystery we had on our hands, he would forgive a little loss of sleep. He answered on the fourth ring. I explained the questions to Robert, and he was immediately interested. A new historical mystery from World War II. It was like offering a donut to a fat kid. I left out the whole weirdness part of it and was vague about where I had found the second flaming grenade. He didn't even know that, and I wasn't going to marry Robert, so there was no way he would learn about our lab. I can be there tomorrow morning by, say, nine, Robert said. Turned out he was a professor now at Stanford, just over the mountains in Palo Alto. I've got to find a substitute for my lecture tomorrow, but I'm free for the rest of the day. Okay, but you'll probably have more resources at Stanford than here. Sure, but I have to see these things in person. Fine, I'll meet you at your office at 9 tomorrow, and you can take a look. I've scanned the badges in 3D, so have a portable hard drive or something, and I'll let you take the images to use in your research. And listen, you can't tell anyone about this until we've figured it out, okay? Of course not. This could be my big break. If there's a good mystery behind those badges, I'll be able to write a book on the thing. Tenure, here I come. I laughed as I hung up the phone. He's like a little kid. Lara raised her eyebrows. She looked at me, looked, looked at my computers, then back at me. Uh, let's go home. Chapter 22. Oberammergau, Bavaria, Germany. Heinrich had been itching to test himself. He wanted to see if he was capable of carving a masterpiece like his father had. The secret, he knew, was to carve something with meaning, something that compelled the artist to achieve perfection. Heinrich had been searching for that moment, that person who would inspire him. When his son Rolf was born, Heinrich knew Rolf would be the subject of his greatest work. Heinrich had been older when Rolf was born, and, was, and he was his supreme joy. Heinrich had carved Rolf as a baby. The carving was good, great even, but was not quite a masterpiece. 
There was something missing, and he needed to figure out what it was. Heinrich had decided to wait before trying again. Maybe he needed to get to know his son better, get to understand his unique personality. Frustrating as his failure had been, Heinrich was patient. He knew his time would come. Heinrich was sitting in front of the fireplace, enjoying the warmth of the fire and staring blankly into the flames. It was cold in the mountains when the sun set, and the fireplace warmed the living room till it was snug and comfortable. Rolf was growing up. He was no longer just a toddler, but a boy with an infectious laugh and a personality that drew all of the other kids at school to him. Heinrich glanced up at the Carabinieri figures, figurines. It was time to try again. Rolf loved to sit with his small carving tools and try to emulate his father. Heinrich would carve Rolf sitting on a stool with a block of wood in his hands and a look of supreme concentration. He got out of his seat, happy with his decision to try again for his masterpiece. He wanted to start right then and there, but knew it was time for bed. He needed to get a good night's sleep and start in the morning sunlight with the best piece of wood. Heinrich walked to the mantel and picked up a carabinieri who was on one knee reaching out for a wounded comrade. He turned to take the piece over to the lamp where he could get a closer look, a bit of inspiration. As he turned, Heinrich stumbled. The wooden carving flew from his hands as Heinrich gasped in horror. The carving hit the ground on the corner of the base and Heinrich heard a crack. This can't be happening, he thought to myself. I'm sorry, Dad, he cried plaintively. Heinrich raced over to the fallen carving to survey the damage. He found a flattened corner and a scuff marks on the opposite side, but no further damage. With trepidation, he turned the carving to look at the back. What he found surprised him. A spring latch door had popped open. What is this? he said aloud. What did you say? his wife asked as she came down the stairs, changed now into her warm flannel pajamas. She gasped when she saw what looked like a broken off piece of the carving in Heinrich's hands. What happened? Look at this, Heinrich was excited, all thoughts of sleep long forgotten. The hidden door was genius. Heinrich had studied every piece multiple times under a magnifying glass and had never noticed any signs of a hidden compartment. The piece even felt like the right weight, not lighter as it would as would be expected with a hollowed-out compartment. The small lid opened downward and Heinrich could see the small spring mechanism inlaid, inlaid into the wood. There was a latch at the top of the opening in the frame around the door. Heinrich searched for the button or mechanism that was designed to open the compartment. He assumed the shock of the fall had caused it to pop open, but imagine that was not the intended way. Rolf Muller would have never have forced someone to damage his masterpiece in order to gain access to whatever was hidden inside. Heinrich's focus had been entirely on the compartment and how his dad had designed and built it. When Gretel asked what was inside the compartment, Heinrich had completely forgotten that important detail. He looked inside. There was nothing there. Wait a second, he said, and pulled the carving closer to his face. The wood grain at the back of the compartment looked slightly different. Heinrich reached in to fill and noticed the back of the compartment was not the back after all. A thin membrane was pulled tightly across the back and was painted with almost perfect detail with the grain of the wood. However, after more than 50 years, the leather had begun to dry out. The coloring was just slightly different than the wood grain and only noticeable when looked at closely under a microscope. Will you grab one of my knives, please? Heinrich always kept a set of carving knives in the house, just in case. Gretel brought him a knife and carefully cut away the edges of the leather backing. After cutting three sides, he opened and pulled the leather open. Inside was a flat object, wrapped in what looked like oil skin. Heinrich reached two fingers into the opening and was able to pinch the wrapping tightly enough to pull the small package out. He set the carving aside, careful to leave the spring door open. He, w- he would have to inspect the work later when he had some time. Heinrich unwrapped the oilskin package, unfolding each corner one at a time. His wife leaned over his shoulder. Inside the oilskin was a badge. 
Heinrich, Heinrich recognized immediately the flaming grenade of the Italian Carabinieri. He held it reverently. He knew this item had changed his father's life. Because of this badge, his father had returned from the war a changed man. The badge offered no answers, only more questions. But he felt closer to his father regardless. He had found his father's secret and knew that, when the time came, his father would somehow answer the questions that had plagued him since childhood. Heinrich rewrapped the badge in the protective oilskin. He placed the badge on the mantle next to the set of carvings. He then retrieved the kneeling carabinieri officer and set it on the sideboard. He wanted to examine it more closely in the morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Flaming Grenade. It's a bit shorter than the others because in our next episode, we start with part two of the book. So I wanted to end there at part one. So please subscribe to the podcast so that you can catch the next installment. And remember, if you would like to read the rest of the book, get ahead of us or catch up, you can always buy the book at Amazon. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Flaming Grenade.